this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to the award-winning Interest in Health and Safety podcast, making health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. And now your host, health and safety specialist, mentor and speaker, Colin Nottage. Hi there, it's Colin Nottage here and welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. Oh my God, it has been a few weeks since I put a podcast episode out. Things have been so busy and... Um, and I do apologise um, for not getting the, something out to you a bit sooner. Um, and we're really going to push to get uh, to get some more episodes out over the coming uh, coming weeks and months. Um, you know, whether we get one out every single week, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Because there's just so much going on. But we're gonna we're gonna try our best. But today we have got an absolute beautiful episode. Um, I'd like to introduce you to Paul Ward. Um, Paul runs a business called um, um, Black Top Coaching and. Uh, it's all about motivation and mindset. Um, and yeah, I'm going to hand you over to Paul now. Paul, it's absolutely lovely to uh, welcome you onto the Interesting Health and Safety podcast. Um, for the for the benefit of our listeners, could you uh, could you just give us a little bit of a uh, little bit of background about yourself? Absolutely, yes. And uh, first of all, thank you, Colin, for inviting me on. It's uh, it's a real pleasure to do so. Um, so, so for those who uh, aren't aware, I am. My name's Paul Ward. My business is called Blacktop Coaching. Uh, happy to explain maybe a little bit through our conversation what where the blacktop came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, what I do is I work with. Um, small, medium-sized business owners looking to uh, grow their business, but not through business coaching, because there's some fantastic business coaches out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really do that. I touch on business, but ultimately it's those people who think to themselves, you know what, when I set this business up, I felt I should be further along than where I am now. And seeing people around them who are that little bit more successful and they can't work out why when they're still doing everything pretty much right. Um, so I like to explore the mindset of that business owner as to what's what's getting in the way. And most of the time it's we discover that actually it's pretty much themselves that's getting in the way. So, mm-hmm. so I use um, tools. I use NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, of which I'm a trainer. I use another tool called Motivational Maps, which looks at what really drives people at a core motivational level. Because once we have clarity of what we need in our in our work, our business, our relationships, then setting goals to, to align with that, gets a little easier it's when we feel a little bit lost that's um that's when i come in to help people and point them in a direction so so in, in a nutshell that's that's essentially what i do coaching and training i train other coaches and consultants to use those tools uh, and i'm also developing my own coaching methodology called the blacktop method which is uh, quite new as well so uh, pulling it all together in one one foul swoop uh well that's my coaching uh and you'll have to tell me whether you want to know anything else about me as we <laughs> no you know, that's absolutely i mean that's really really that's really great and i love um you know there's there's quite a lot that you've you've, you've gone into there that i think you know from 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 the perspective of the people that are going to be listening to this podcast you know you know having having some some idea of where they want to be but but mm. Maybe getting getting stuck, getting a little bit bogged down, not knowing what um, you know what what they need to do, and I, and I love the bit that you said there about you know, you know you often find that you're the person that's in the way of you making a progress. Mm-hmm. I'd lo- I'd love to explore that a little bit more because I uh, I've got loads of exa- personal examples that we could use. I'll probably end up being being <laughs> yeah. being totally totally ripped apart here, but we'll see. Depends how much you give me, but I mean, one of the, one of the, one of the best examples as always, um, if people are a little bit uncertain what that means, because sometimes we're not even aware that we don't know where we want to be because things, you know, a lot of clients I work with, things are going okay. It's just, they then become aware that things could be different. And um, we were talking earlier about networking groups and presenting, and one thing I've spotted quite often is people are really articulate in a small group or one-to-one about their business and what they do and how they can help people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but stepping up to that bigger stage and delivering a presentation for um, in front of 20, 30 people, whatever it might be, so that public speaking barrier stops a lot of people. And it's the number one fear in the UK. And weirdly, more people fear public speaking than death, which is is crazy, but there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can help people, People overcome their fear of public speaking or look at enhancing their skills to do that 
you then look around at all the other things in your life and think, what other things am I telling myself I'm not good at, but I've just discovered I am pretty damn good at delivering a presentation. So, and and so often we hear that phrase, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm good enough. Mm. Yeah. And often that comes from um, either a past partner, a parent, or most often somewhere at school that we're still believing what we were told back then still steers us now. So the whole process I go through is identifying those areas, deleting them as best we can, because if you're not carrying that, guess what? You can move forward. Yeah. But absolutely, you're absolutely right. Once once you get clarity, if I told you just to head off to uh, to the other side of the camp, we were just talking holidays, weren't we? If you, you we were talking Devon, and if, if I said to you, okay, uh, it was nice, head off to Devon, see what you think. Yeah. You'd aimlessly drive around. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, and you'd find something. But if I followed your uh, piece of advice there, drive to Paint and Zoo, um, I've got a specific target now, and I can go there, and I can really embrace it, and I can plan for it, and I can understand what I'm going to get when I get there, and also how much it's going to cost, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it's a great analogy to lift then across the business or your own personal success. If you know what it is that you want, how much you want when you get there, what winning is going to look like, it's a different journey along the way than it is just driving aimlessly and hoping that you'll find something that that fits so Mm -hmm. so maybe maybe more holiday detail than needed there but it kind of fits (laughs) yeah i hear what you're saying that's um you know understanding what what winning looks like then i mean is that you know do you do you try and start at the at the end and then sort of like reverse engineer it back i mean how how does how does the process sort of work with you? Absolutely, it's it's not much more scientific than that in so many cases. Because when I ask people in uh, in networking or just in business conversation or as a new client, when I ask them what they want, they're often really good at telling me what they don't want. Mm. I don't want to be struggling anymore. I don't want to feel the way I am. I don't want to be overweight, etc. So if we know what we don't want, we just need to flip that. To, to put it into, and the process I often work with, put it into a vision. And we've all been through the personal development books and uh, understanding the value of creating the future and understand what it looks like. Um, But it can't be dismissed because unless we know what we're aiming for, we can't do that reverse engineering that you've talked about because one of the questions will be, what is it that we are now aware of that's stopping us from having that now? Mm-hmm. Once we once we reach that point, we can now start working on it. But until we set what our end goal is, and by the way, I'm not really bothered whether my clients absolutely hit their end goal. It's creating a goal that creates movement. Mm-hmm. And then we find out what motivates people to keep the movement going. Uh, and then we also discover that elastic band that's keeping them in the comfort zone of where they're at now. And we work on the com- uh, we work on the elastic band to start letting go of those limiting thoughts, behaviors, beliefs, whatever you want to call them, that are now keeping the client where they are. And I've worked with some people who actually, once they've done that, they look around and think, you know what, I perhaps aren't appreciating what I've got, mm. and then start doing a bit more of that. And then that sets them up as to, right, now I've got to clear a picture. It's not all about wiping the slate clean and starting again. I think that's really that's a really valid point. There, right? my son or my stepson gave me a book a, a couple of years ago, and it, it's, I can't remember the exact title, but it's something along the lines of um, "Everything you need, you already have." Something yeah. like that, and yeah. you know, and it's and it's so it's really so true, isn't it? And we've and we, we're almost you know pre you know preconditioned, or we you know we're set up in society to keep on chasing and chasing and chasing, and 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 and, and there's all this jam, it's all this jam tomorrow, isn't there? Yeah, and it's, yeah. you know, and, and really, you know, if you just look back at, at where you are and, you know, and, and, and what you've already got in your life, there's there's an enormous amount of, uh, of positive there, isn't there? Uh, totally. And as I mentioned, uh, neurolinguistic programming, there's a set of beliefs or presuppositions, as they're called in NLP. And one of them is um, we believe that everybody has the resources inside them to be successful. So there's no such thing as unresourceful people. There's just unresourceful states. So I've just done a, a long drive back from Devon. Today is the day, is not the day, I should correct myself, not the day where I start my couch to 5K because I'm not in a good state to do that today mm-hmm. or whatever exercise or to go and visit the gym this evening. Now, some people, my personal trainer included, will tell me now is the absolute best time to get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. 
my body tells me I need to rest today. Mm. So then I'll rest and then I'll be in a more positive state to look at exercise or I've got a busy business day tomorrow. And I know I plan my week to ensure that I get rest between holiday and then business. Mm -hmm. But you're right, too many people are hammering away in this Instagram-fed world that we, if we're not delivering for 25 hours a day, then actually there's no way that that could be uh, described as winning. So actually it's about letting go of some stuff that you you no longer need. And, and there's another phrase that I'm sure we've all heard that links to what you said, which I, I tried to remember over this weekend, actually. Um, so it's not about having what you want, it's wanting what you have, you know, and I think that's mm. a great reflection sometimes. And, you know, we're in October and we've got some wonderful weather in the UK that actually, well, fantastic opportunity just to get out and continuously enjoy it as opposed to watching the news, maybe, which I thoroughly recommend turning off on a regular basis <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it i mean you know you can get so you can get so drawn into you know yeah. so much so much crap in the world yeah yeah so black it out <clears throat> so when you know when you um you know when you start to to look at the was it the limiting the, is it the limiting beliefs i think you mentioned yeah, there? yeah. How, how did you go how did you go about you know sort of you know finding out what a person believes they are and you know and then and then addressing that i mean it's uh um it's i was going to say it's a tricky process but it, it kind of is and it isn't because again referring back to nlp the l of nlp linguistics and there's another great um quote i can't remember who said it that that um our words are are a clothing for our thoughts so people will tell you things at a very surface level so being trained in coaching and NLP and just being a curious individual, when you hear people saying things, if you are intuitive and tuned into them and you think, actually, there might be more there, I'm going to ask another question. And then we ask another question. And if we build rapport with that individual, and if we're clearly on a, on a coaching journey with that individual, then barriers start to come down. So, for example, I was working with somebody, a lot of their personal speaking courses, you work with with people who have been telling themselves for years they're no good at public speaking. So if you tell yourself that once, you might just think, actually, I had a bad uh, presentation. Mm -hmm. But if you've been telling yourself that for years and years and years, imagine what it would be like if there was an actual voice telling you that on a regular basis or you're not good enough or you will never be as successful as you wish to be we find out actually really the first instance because every part every every behavior we display as human beings at some point we did it first time mm -hmm. so we learn behavior and so often in so many things that we do that behavior is useful because that's how we manage and get through life and interact with others but in certain situations at certain times, these limiting beliefs will come up or limiting decisions, we could even call them. That at some point, I decided that I wasn't good enough. <coughs> Dig back. There are some techniques in NLP and techniques within coaching that we can go back to that time to be able to let go of it. Mm. It's often what we refer to as a rucksack of boulders where every boulder is a negative emotion linked to the past or limiting to this decision. And if you're looking to move towards that goal, it'd be a lot easier if we put the right sack down. So we spend the, the, the black top method that I'm developing is about identifying what those boulders are to be able to let them down before we then move into who you really are and then onwards to the creation of the life that you want. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you know, how, how does uh, somebody know how many boulders they've got then or how big their rucksack is i mean is that you know is that is that is that something that you can that you explore with people i mean you know and does does sometimes the the things that that people think are the big boulders actually turn out probably not to be and there may be other things in there that that look they appear quite small but uh are actually yeah. big big burdens yeah um have you had this conversation before with somebody it sounds like you're quite an expert because absolutely you're absolutely right and there are things in our lives that steer us that we're consciously aware of. So telling people I'm shy or telling people I'm an introvert or telling people I love being around people or whatever it might be. 
there's also stuff that when I go too deep, there's there's stuff that's um, at an unconscious level. So our unconscious mind has recorded essentially everything that's ever happened to us. Mm-hmm. Some of which it kind of just stores and we don't go anywhere near it. Other things, because its prime directive is to protect us, it almost puts a barrier around it and says, no, let's not go there. Let's not go there. And with trained coaching and trained NLP and as practitioner and master practitioner level, we train and teach tools to ask questions that dig below the surface to find out. Because most people that come to coaching with what they perceive to be a problem, it's very rare we end up working on that thing they came to see us for because there's mm-hmm. something hidden behind that. There's a chain of events that has led to this. Mm-hmm. And our role as coaches in this field, and this is where I say very different to business coaching, our, our journey in this is to work out, right, okay, where's where does the first event begin so that we can we can cut that chain effectively? And there's lots of different tools and techniques that that are present in NLP to make that happen. I mean, if if you were to go back to the 5K again, if you were training to do a 5K whilst carrying your shopping, it's going to be hard work. If you put your shopping down, you have a very different experience, don't you? So, so yeah, that's essentially it, that we do explore things at an unconscious level. Um, and some of the people we take through the journey aren't even aware they have an unconscious mind. <coughs> mm. mm-hmm. Yeah when most of us if not all of us are aware of what our intuition or our gut feel is Mm. something just tells us something is either going to go very well or we have a sneaky suspicion that we need to be a bit more aware here before anything has happened and that's our unconscious mind in play because it's referring to everything that's happened to us Mm -hmm. and um, i mean and is it you know is the process like a, a progressive process then i mean do you you know do you start to unpack um you know what you know do you, do you find sometimes people pack the rucksack back up again and, and put it back on their shoulders you know that, that, that's that's an interesting question because we take people on the journey and the full journey will involve what we often refer to as a detailed personal history to go through a full breakthrough session we want to know everything that's going on and it's not in a counseling way we just want the client to speak up answer certain questions so that we're less bothered about the incident. We're bothered about how the incident still affects that person some 20, 30 years later mm-hmm. so that we can unpick what's going on. We can't change the past. It is what it is. Um, so so we, we follow that process through the breakthrough sessions and we keep moving forward. Now, I'm going to keep going with this 5K analogy, okay? So if you have gone from a standing start through to now being able to run 5K quite, quite, quite well, Mm. Okay. If you now think to yourself, I'm ready now to take on a 10K, what you discovered on the journey from zero or couch to 5K will help you get to 5K. But you've also discovered some stuff now that you need to let go of or improve or work on to get you from 5K to 10K. Mm -hmm. And the coaching program is very similar to that, that we'll remove things to get things moving. So coming back to public speaking. So if you're now ready to go and do some great presentations, when you're up there, there'll be other triggers that are firing off that you weren't aware of before because the phobia of public speaking was so big, you didn't even do it. But now you're doing it. And by the way, those things can be very positive as well. Mm-hmm. If you're suddenly now presenting and you've been telling yourself you're a shy introvert, and when you're up there, you're thinking, actually, I'm enjoying this. And there's people that are listening to what I'm saying. Your business improves because people want to talk to you. And heck, you might end up taking on amateur dramatics because it's something you always wanted to do that you told yourself you'd never be good at. So it's a continuous journey. But until that person then starts their amateur dramatics, there'll be triggers that they were never aware of (coughs) that they now are once they're in that environment. So we don't have a broken, then fixed mentality. We work through as we move forward. um, And often there's periods of break between clients that they actually feel they're in a good place and they go and do what they need to do, start building the business, start on a new relationship or building um, building whatever future they want. And actually they feel great and the momentum keeps going. Sometimes though, you'd get the odd call. Yeah, I feel a bit stuck. I'm not sure I'm now fully embracing what I started. 
Uh, and and they're, they're a nice course because you know you've already done the groundwork to be able to then continue that process with the client because they're now facing brand new challenges that they didn't have previously. Mm, that's uh, that's that's I love that. I love that. I mean, one of one of the things in in health and safety. Okay, so there's um um there's there's a a, a a way of looking at health and safety which is called behavioral behavioral based safety, and it's very much about I suppose in a way trying to trying to influence the behavior of people but there's a lot of people that that actually that actually are, are sort of talk against that okay and saying that um you know behavior is is really you know there's this the, you know is it, the context of the of the environment that you're working in is going to is going to shape the way that you uh, that you think and and if you're just trying to change you know one person at a time you know then mm-hmm. then there's an awful lot of You've got to work with an awful lot of people, you know, if to, to get it right. If you hear what I'm saying here, you know, and when you when Absolutely. you're in a, when you're in an organisation or in a business, and you you know you've got a number of people that work that working with you, how how do you go? You know, I suppose how do you go through to to not necessarily change people's behaviours, but and you might you might say that's what you do need to do, but you know, how, how do you go about influencing you know people in in a in a in a in a group environment rather than individually? Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, great words used, positively influencing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what, what works, uh, in my view, what works really well when we positively, you go and, tell, go and positively in, influence your children as opposed to tell them to do something. And there's a big difference in the outcome. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess just to share in a little bit more of my past, um, for 15 years, I worked in retail management, high street retail management. And as um, being responsible for the building, the team, the stock, the customers, um, endless amounts of responsibility. And I still take my hand off to retail managers to this day because they're effectively running a, a business that's not their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those things is health and safety. My my area manager at the time used to say to me, there's only two things that you can go to prison for doing this job. One is if you decide to help yourself to anything, and the other one is health and safety, because as the responsible manager, it's your job to implement. So I have a a remembrance, a deeper understanding from my retail days of the importance of that level of responsibility. And to more answer your question, the the type of person that I know I am, particularly now I've done a lot of personal development work on myself, including my motivational maps that I mentioned earlier, I know that I'm motivated by big picture thinking, a bit of freedom, autonomy, knowing that I can do my own thing and being recognized as somebody who, you know, knows what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So when my health and safety manager used to approach me and give me endless amounts of tick lists to do that were full of detail, I naturally backed away from it. It wasn't in my sphere. Mm. What I would now suggest if I was working with that health and safety manager is, well, let's have a look at this person's motivational drivers. We need what would be really useful is for us to now communicate in such a way with this leader of this business to suggest to them about various different ways of completing what needs to be completed that would make a significant difference to them to be able to allow them a sense of freedom and autonomy, i.e. train other people up to do it rather than yourself. Um, and you could be a shining light with, uh, amongst the other managers on the area to show them that you've done it the way that you feel is right and to to achieve it. Because then it's then it's it's addressing my motivators and then I may become interested. But if it's all about detail and security and stability and routine, someone like me as a manager I just probably would switch off quite quickly. So um, long we didn't answer to your question, but but you're absolutely right in the first, you know, in your first two words. Um, if we can get a feel for the person we're talking to and spot in their language, are they a detailed person? Are they a big picture person? Are they likely to delegate or want to lead the situation? Then we can just use our language to achieve the same thing. Because all it's all as as health and safety managers, and I remember the conversations I had with them, their simple goal was to be able to set something up, knowing that they could confidently walk away and that it would be implemented without them having to keep coming back and checking. Um, so if we can get that right at the beginning, the type because one size doesn't fit all, yeah. You know, if we tell every, you know, I had thirty odd managers in my area, and we'd all do it differently, mm-hmm. even if the instruction was to do it one way. 
we'd still do it differently. Still do it different. Yeah. So it's just how can how can we put that? How can we um, <coughs> present it in such a way that we're going to positively influence all different motivational styles? Which isn't easy, but that's kind of like the the uh, the target to positively influence those people. So is that is that then then looking you know rather than rather than being prescriptive about the inputs, it's being maybe a little bit more a bit more um, um, open about the kind of outputs that we want to achieve. Is it is that is that what you're 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 sort of trying to say there, or you know, or say yeah. there? Yeah, it's it, it not so many. I'm certainly not saying I'm right. That's one thing I'm I'm got so used to doing, and that's dangerous to say I'm right. But this is um, where I'd now be looking at, at putting together something that would positively influence a wider group of people. So just just flicking it back to the training I do with NLP that you know I've got a group of eight ten people in the room. Mm-hmm. They're all different people. Okay, they're all on a personal development course. It gives me some clues of the type of people they are. Mm-hmm. By the end of day one, because our courses are seven days long, so by the end of day one, I've got a I've got a pretty good idea, and they start to get an idea of me. By the end of day two, I'm already using slightly different language with each person in the room because I can start to see that one person. Yeah, simple stuff like when you've been training yourself, mm-hmm. uh, there'll be people who just listen and nod, and then there'll be people who take copious amounts of notes. Mm. So you've got one detailed person and one person who's waiting to see what the big picture is here. What's, what's it in for, what is it that's in it for me that I can then apply? So it's just noticing those subtle changes. Otherwise, you'd be endlessly presenting the same piece of information endless amounts of time to get it right. The art is, is communicating in a way um, that influences as many people as possible. Mm. So just being aware of your own language, which is essentially what a big chunk of nlp is all about can you i mean is it possible you know just to give some examples maybe of the different way that you deal with those those two individuals you know the person that's taking the notes and the person that's that's waiting how, how, yeah. how would you deal with them differently yeah i mean it's um there's also other things that are, are kicking around behind it as well something that we refer to a lot of nlp is jargonistic but uh, a bit like health and safety i guess mm-hmm, but uh, yeah. um there's something called the representational system so there's it's how we represent our world back out. Mm. So we get information in and then we represent it back out. So when you're aware that you've got someone who's making lots of notes, they're also probably likely to be asking lots of questions. Mm-hmm. So when training a group of people in a, a situation like that, they are likely to be more what we refer to as auditory digital. They're a bit more, they want more facts. They need a deeper understanding before they can move on. Mm-hmm. So you would then just check in on a regular basis whether there's a, any more questions because those questions will definitely be helping everybody else in the group. Yeah. So checking in with that individual. And if I trained 20 years ago, I probably would have done the opposite and just got annoyed with the person asking too many questions. But it's their way of learning. And then with the other person, the bigger picture person, it's just helping them connect the dots between what is necessary information as to the bigger picture of how this will affect the business. And maybe even if they're a bit of uh, what we refer to as a builder motivator, which is commerciality, how much it will then mean that the profit will be affected by applying this level of detail. So it's subtle. Um, but the motivational maps that we use, once we have a we have practitioners trained in using them, they become artful with their language. They talk to people how people are talking back to them rather than us talking the way we want to be talking to people. So when you may hear people say, um, I can't picture it. That's a highly visual person. And if you are highly visual, you'll probably automatically respond with, well, let me make it really clear. Mm. not a visual piece of language but if i'm someone says to me i can't picture it well how else can i say it that you'll you'll understand is not it's, it's partly um auditory partly uh ad or logical so we're not communicating at the same level as a whole host of stuff we could go down mm. with that but it's just if if you are let's say a health and safety trainer or instructor that has a deep understanding of people's language patterns then you stop training as if 
you are just feeding information you are actually then helping people learn about health and safety as opposed to training them some information mm. and um and i think that's hugely hugely beneficial as a trainer or a facilitator mm. you're, just, you're not simply passing on information you're helping people understand what they need to do in order to make it part of their daily behavior mm. That's really, I mean, that's that's really interesting. I um, I was fortunate enough recently to be asked to do a, 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 a little presentation for uh, for the Institute of Quarian, um, up in the up in Yorkshire, and um, and we got them playing with Lego and Jenga and stuff like that, and it was just, and it was just a really a really engaging evening, and it and it doesn't work for everybody, you know, not, not everybody in the room really well. Most people really, really enjoyed it, but um, and I think you need to be aware of that, don't you? You know, it's gonna you're gonna you're gonna influence a certain number of people by doing doing that hands-on stuff. But there's other people, you know, you can't you can't leave them out of the out of the group. And I and I love what you said there. You know, it's it's about you know it's it's not just about imparting information. It's about getting yeah. people, you know, you know, yeah. getting people it's, to engage. Yeah? That's a great example because I've been in those situations where the presenter has handed out play-doh or mm-hmm. um whatever it might be lego and i can see the room around me are like fully engaged mm. and i'm because i'm aware of um where my preferences are i'm aware that when i start to feel mildly uncomfortable that maybe i need to come out of my stretch or come go into my stretch zone a little bit and out of my comfort zone so i'll i'll i will take part because i have a low again what we refer to as kinesthetic score so feelings emotions touchy doing that tactile stuff i'm less i'm I'm less really fussed about it because uh, and then also though um, i'm aware of my motivational map makeup and the star motivator at the moment is quite high for me so i will take part in the play-doh but what will be important for me is that my end my one ends up being the best mm-hmm. yeah that's just that will be what drives me and there'll be other people who just want to help others because you know, they love being in a team, whereas because I say that I'm a high freedom autonomy is high for me, so I want to work on my own to deliver mine. Yeah. So being aware of these patterns, as you have then given that exercise to a group of people, they're the clues as to how what makes up their map of the world, what makes them, what drives them, and then as as you become more aware of that, if that's a team you're working with on a long period of time or a number of sessions you can then start ensuring that those that have low kinesthetic preference and don't want any more play-doh might be the ones that actually well let's split into smaller groups and you can organize those small groups without being hands-on and that might fit more into their their preferences mm. you've got to start somewhere you've got to throw a play-doh up everybody first haven't you to get get a feeling for it so <laughs> You've mentioned um, you've mentioned quite a few times uh, mind mapping, okay, a motivational motivational map. Sorry, yeah. motivational maps. Can you explain? Can you explain that? Yeah, it's um, motivational maps are a great tool. They're not a personality tool. So if you've been familiar with certain other tools such as Myers Briggs or DISC or Insights, they're great tools and they tend to go with personality. Motivational maps are less inclined in that direction, although it's always going to be a level of personality but what motivates you today could be very different in a week's time so that's an energy that is constantly flowing and changing so so we we like to measure that because it's more of a video in time than it is a snapshot of time Mm -hmm. so it's a simple um questionnaire online takes 10 minutes or so to to complete then lines up the nine motivators in preference. And then as a practitioner, I also get to see how well satisfied individuals are in their current roles or their business or wherever we choose to use it. And it also helps us with some of those boulders we talked about last uh, earlier on. Because if someone is highly motivated by freedom, but they're very concerned about taking a step out of their current secure job, business or relationship then they will feel a level of conflict going on with that security versus freedom Mm -hmm. making a change maybe being a little bit too risk adverse because they're worried about what might happen so there's some clues in that as to where we can direct the coaching Mm. so we use the um, motivational maps to help on the coaching journey we also use them in business in teams because if you're a leader of a team and you know what motivates your team 
you can adapt your style of leadership accordingly to ensure that actually you're getting the most out of your out of your people. Um, so, so yeah, that I, I became a motivational practitioner at the same time I was a, became an NLP practitioner about ten years ago, and then stepped up to train both. Uh, and I now help other coaches and consultants go into businesses to use the tool because uh, it gives a common language that everyone can use when they're talking about actually what drives them because the report comes back and the one piece of feedback we have above everything else is just how accurate it is. It really sums people up and helps people put into words what they've been struggling to put into words when they've been speaking to either their business partner or their boss or or whoever it might be. Mm. So it's, it's a wonderful tool just to unlock some of that conversation that we talked about earlier in regards to the unconscious mind. So, mm. so yeah, great tool. It's created by a guy down in Bournemouth called James Sale. Okay, and um, he created about fifteen years ago, and it's uh, rapidly expanding, yet still relatively unknown. So there's a lot of uniqueness to it as well. So you know, so it's it's very much about it's a, it's very much about an individual yep. when when you do it. Yeah, but it can give you an indication of how a team can get motivated. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So if um, as I described earlier, if you that that individual who had security uh, versus freedom at the top of their motivation or somewhere in their motivational map, there's likely to be some internal conflict. Mm-hmm. If you have a team of people where two people, one is very high spirit and freedom and the other one is very secure, stable routine, it's possible they may rub each other up the wrong way a little bit. Mm-hmm. But once we can find out it's a motivational clash rather than a personality clash, we can then use strategies behind that to help them both see they're actually aiming for the same end goal here. They're just doing it in a different way that will actually support each other rather than conflict with each other. So it helps us um, laser focus down with the team manager or the business owner to help them understand instead of a self-biased approach, I know what's best for you guys and I'll sort you out doesn't work mm-hmm. um, unless you're incredibly intuitive mm-hmm. um, but having the report in front of you you can sit people down and say look you know you both want to end up at the same place see the benefits from one and the benefits of another and see those pitfalls and understanding the, the greatest example i can give is um communication so there's one business that, that i was working with my business partner and um an associate Bevis Moynan of Magenta Coaching Solutions. We had a conversation online with a business who completed some motivational maps. And one of the team was what we refer to as a very high friend. It's all about the team. It's all about connection. It's all about you know, meaningful conversations, checking you're okay, all that stuff. And she would write a Monday morning email about how was your weekend, hope everything's all right with the family, um, how are you feeling at the moment, and would love to you know, touch base with you through this week or whatever it might be. A really nice long email that she found was actually the beginning of her week because it meant she was connecting with people and showing them how much she really loved them, I guess, as a team. Mm. And one responder would respond with, all good, thanks. Mm literally that all good thanks and when we explained the difference between the two one was a high friend one was a low friend and one was a high spirit this because the the first individual was thinking have i done something wrong Mm -hmm. now we unpicked it she now understood actually she's just all about not wanting to sit down and respond in a flowery type way she just simply wants to acknowledge that she's read it and then get on with what she wants to get on with and they you can see the tension between them just just lower straight down immediately so it's just unpicking some of that that tool is great for them mm. and there's so um you know there's so much in that and you know there's 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 so much that gets read into things yeah. that people never put in there when they wrote it <laughs> you know and, and emails and all that and social yeah. media is really bad really bad for it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we delete, distort, and generalize more jargons from NLP, the world around us. Mm-hmm. So how often, as you say, you've read an email about to then send a, a response with the old mm-hmm. uh, fingers of doom on the keyboard, taking a moment, reread the email, and realized that you've interpreted it completely wrong because you yeah. missed out some detail in there. Mm-hmm. And we generalize the world around us because we have to. We have to do that in a way that helps us understand the world around us. And also we distort the world around us because we make things understandable to us or meaningful to us. And the easiest example of distortion is if you have a phobia of a certain thing, 
I'm not even going to mention a thing just in case people are listening and they have a phobia. For one person who has the phobia, it will get distorted in something to big, scary, etc. Someone who doesn't have that same phobia will see that thing just as it is. There's no emotion connect, connected to it at all. Mm-hmm. So they won't distort it to make it mean something. And this is where the horror movie genre has been experts at doing it um, and creating that distortion in reality for us to feel that thrill of being scared watching a movie as Halloween's coming up. I thought I'd throw that in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you put a lot of pressure on me now. I've got to get this out now, this episode. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I didn't say what year it was. (laughs) (laughs) What about, um, I mean, just going, just going back to that, the lady then that was putting that email out on a, um, on a, on a Monday morning. Okay, yeah. so so again, you know how how do you work with with her? Because you know, I mean, you just you know, I know everybody's different. I'm just I'm just trying to get some some general. You know, I mean, should should she be writing an email in a different way to individuals? You know, be making more personal. Is is that is that really how she's going to get a better response? If if that's what she really wants, you know, uh, you know, and, or do you actually explore? You know, what is it you what is it you actually want out of that out of that 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 uh that correspondence is yeah. it? I mean for me the, the key thing in that example is um in a small team two people have now understood that communication difference mm. it's almost then well do we want to change anything because that was a, a general email that went out to the leadership team yep um or is it if actually the the lady who's written the email if she enjoys and gets motivated by sharing all that with her team and some respond um, in a similar way, mm-hmm. um, but one or maybe more respond with a short, sharp, all good here, thanks, mm-hmm. helping her understand that that's, that's them, not her. Mm-hmm. She can just be absolutely fine with it because she was doing a great job with it. If she feels actually I'm writing these emails and no one seems to respond, I take ages writing them, well, actually, let's help you let go of the need to have that response mm-hmm. and communicate more in a way that's appropriate to your team than it is just for you. Mm-hmm. It kind of sums up a lot of what we've been talking about is mm-hmm. we we want to see the world through our own eyes. And often we we can't then do that positively influence uh, we talked about. Mm-hmm. If we start to see the world through other people's eyes and help with how will become more aware of how they interpret the world around them, we have a much greater chance of being able to positively influence those people. And bringing it back to health and safety real quickly. So where historically health and safety has now developed a a wrap of being a boring subject, checking for the sake of checking, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, That's people's perception of health and safety. So we can now work on actually, well, how can we help people understand in a, in a, a more holistic way and by holistic i mean just in a, a, a broader way rather than their own view mm-hmm. and the public information films of the 70s and what have you went to the extreme of actually if you don't do it this is going to happen to you mm-hmm. but there's subtler ways of doing that and just helping people understand in marketing the motivation that we've just been talking about if you use lots of different language patterns in one piece in one article more people will connect because there's something in it for them. If you only write it in your style, mm-hmm. you're going to lose a lot of people because mm-hmm. actually it won't be meaningful to them if for whatever reason. But actually, if we can then just broaden your own use of language out, you'll connect with more people. And it goes for training, social media, simple interaction, wherever you go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. Isn't it? It's about, you know, it's about having some consistency to the message that, that maybe you know looking at different ways of actually getting that message over yes. because people people react in so many different ways don't they and some yes. people you know some people like that shock video you know yeah. they like that they respond and they react to that and, and some people hate it and yeah. so so don't use it all the time <laughs> you know Absolutely. yeah it's it's um if you've watched as many uh well through lockdown i watched virtually i felt like i watched virtually everything on netflix as many of us would have done mm-hmm. um and, and a bunch of those were, were um some horror movies so certain things don't you become numb a little bit to it and social media affects us in the same way so then being able to put that in front of people in a training room well actually it's still only going to capture a minority but we're going to look at ways of capturing mm-hmm. 
as many people as possible. And it might be a little bit of shock in there, followed up by a lot of bit of detail about how it's going to affect the business, followed by how it's going to improve your standing within the business, mm-hmm. followed by how it's going to affect profits if you maintain a, a good standards of house of health and safety. And so it goes on. So there's lots of different points at which we can bring it all together by understanding that use of language, mm-hmm. as opposed to the health and safety individual in whatever form they are communicating has their one style of this is how I talk, this is how you're going to listen. Mm. We know that doesn't, that's not effective anymore. And education is much the same, isn't it? You know, being able to broaden that language pattern out to as many, many kids as possible is uh, a different and probably bigger challenge that I'm not prepared to go into right now, just in case. (laughs) (laughs) I really, I mean, you know, I really like that, that, that concept there of actually, of actually being, you know, we, 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 there's a lot of talk out there, you know, health and safety is our number one priority. Well, in actual fact, when you actually look at business, it, it, it's not, you know, it's, it's you know, it's got an importance, you know, profit is really important, you know, being good to the environment is really important, making a good quality product, you know, looking after your customers, it's loads of things that are important. And I think actually, you know, we miss a bit of a trick from a health and safety perspective when we, when we try and hammer home, you know, that it's that it is the number one priority and don't actually say, you know, look, in actual fact, you know, the reason that health and safety is important because it has an impact on all these other things. And, you know, and we want to be successful in all these other areas. So let's be successful here as well. Yeah. And I think uh, I, I, I totally agree with that. And I'm just reflecting back as you started um, to describe that there, that the conversation I have with my area manager of there's only two things you can go to prison for health and safety breaches or taking stuff you shouldn't. That's a fear strategy, isn't it? It's mm. making the, the individual fear fearful of those two things. So therefore, mm. I better get my acting gear. We often don't react very well to fear, though, because it makes us feel uncomfortable, demotivated. So looking for solutions that are more forward thinking in terms of actually, it is a high priority. But actually, our people are our highest priority. So how can we support our people and our customers, if relevant, to ensure their safety, ensure they come back to us, to ensure that they see us doing the right thing. Uh, well, health and safety is a big part of that, isn't it? So let's mm-hmm. make sure that we're delivering on that as much as we are on our marketing, as much as we are on our, our service or whatever it might be. So they actually all connect up that you can't you can't go independently in one of those. So when I go take the kids to a climbing wall up the road here, and um, so much of it is about fun. Mm. And when I took them the second time, my nine-year-old son said to me, do I have to sit through the safety briefing a second time? Mm. And I said to him, yeah, it'd be great because you'll watch and you'll you'll be able to check yourself as to how much you remembered from last time, Mm. which he loved because then he came back out to me and said, I remembered everything apart from da-da-da-da-da. So it's just seeing it as an opportunity rather than something to fear or to avoid, Um, certainly with my nine-year-old anyway. That's really that's really interesting. Because one of the um, I think one of the things that um, that, that businesses are really are really rubbish at is doing inductions. Okay, and then people turn up on site and they do this induction, and people get so frustrated by it because, in actual fact, the information that's going out there is is really is really boring and rubbish. And you know, again, go back to health and safety. You got to wear a hard hat. You got to wear boots. Well, you know, people know that. You know, and and I think you know it's you know we business owners have got a responsibility to to make those uh interactions important okay mm-hmm. but i think the person listening as well or the, or the person that's that's bit that's part of that process you know who's coming onto the site you know you know in a way you know challenging them i suppose challenging them to tell us you know well how how good was that you know you know how how did how did that how did that half hour 20 minutes whatever it is you know actually you know help you and if it didn't what do we need to do yeah. To, to make it better. And I think if, if if people who were doing inductions were asking those sort of questions, yeah. then you'd end up with something you could end up with something really, really interesting, couldn't you? Oh, I totally agree. That 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 necessity for feedback um mm. is is huge because we all know if you do the same thing over and over and expect different results, it's mm. the definition of insanity, I believe. For, our friend Einstein came up with that. So and I I've well, just reflecting back as you were talking, we're talking 
15, 20 years ago, um, less than that actually sometimes, that I joined a new business and the induction was to read through a pamphlet, you know, mm. and um, tick a box to say you've read it. Mm. Going back even further, in my um, early 20s, I joined the Merchant Navy and I flew from Heathrow to Cape Town and then got a bus from Cape Town to the harbour. Uh, Ten minutes on the boat, I was in a red boiler suit and going down a bilge tank no idea what I was doing, where I was going. But the young lad who was four or five years younger than me said, oh, I've done it before, I'll show you. Mm. And, and and my health and safety was learn from the other lads around me rather than actually get trained on something. Mm. Um, so thankfully, things have moved on quite a bit since those times. Mm. But it's, it's again, it's like ensuring it's done in a way that's meaningful for as many people as possible. Mm. So you get these, um, you know, you obviously get some some real benefits of doing these motivational maps. Probably, I would have thought at, um, you know, at a, a, a senior and a middle management level, you know, is that level. where you tend yeah, to work. Effective how, at any level. But I was, I was about to say, you know, how how far down the management chain do you go, and 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 does it does it change or not, or is it the same tools that you use, you know, and, and that you know, how how does that work? Uh, I mean, it, it is genuinely. Um, a great tool to use. What well, a pattern normally is, the best way to answer that is a pattern. If I now go and work with a business who are interested in using motivational maps to understand what motivates their team and what they can do to increase that, because an increase in motivation leads to an increase into engagement and performance, which funnily enough leads into an improvement in profit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it kind of fits in business really nicely. So by um, mapping a senior team, I can then help them understand themselves, first of all, and also the complexity of each other around a boardroom to then start looking at, well, what if we knew this about our managers to spread it out to the management population? Obviously, depending on what size the business is. Mm-hmm. Then when the managers start to get aware of it, and then they start thinking, well, do you know what? I now understand myself far clearer. My immediate... Um, um, manager or boss, whatever you want, phrase you want to use, now also understands how I want to be motivated in, in work and delivering. Can I now find out what's happening with my team that I work with day in, day out to get a bigger picture? And we can absolutely do that down to whatever level works for that individual business. We've had some organizations that have had thousands of maps done because we can also go the other way. So if we have an organization that's up and down the country, we can see it from an organizational point of view as well as from a bottom-up point of view. And the benefit of this, um, if the senior team think they know what the junior team need, those, for want of a better phrase, on the shop floor need to keep them motivated, it's guesswork. Mm-hmm. If we use the motivational maps from the bottom upwards, they give us the information that's really important to them. So just chucking them a uh, you know a pay rise once a year Mm-hmm. might still going to help who's not going to want a pay rise yeah mm-hmm. but actually that just <coughs> sucked in quite easily into the cost of living etc etc mm-hmm. and you forget it very quickly someone might be really motivated to know that their job is secure for the next 10 years and where the direction of the business is going mm-hmm. someone else might be um, very motivated by giving being given an extra couple of days holiday each year mm-hmm. and someone else might be motivated to go on more training courses now, as I appreciate in business, you can't do 2,000 different options, but we can start to get an understanding of what the overall um, population of the workforce, where their preferences are. So I worked with one team, and I use this as an example, and motivation was quite low. Uh, it was kind of through lockdown and coming out the other side. And people are working quite individually in their, in their spaces, and one of the management team loved exercise and said, I'm, I'm quite happy to get my personal trainer in every Friday morning and we can do a group session together because actually everyone goes to the gym. So we could do a group session to really energize everybody and have that feeling of doing it all together. And um, so I, put, I put it to them and none of them were interested. Mm. I smiled and got the team map out. And I said, well, maybe there's a clue here because their lowest um, motivator as a team was the one we refer to as a star. Mm-hmm. It's about 
people noticing you. It's about people looking at you. It's a, and if you're not motivated by that, doing exercise in front of your teammates is not something that you're going to want to do. Mm-hmm. Even though you want to benefit from the exercise, mm-hmm. I could do that in my own gym or in my own house. Thank you very much. I don't need it in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So it helped them understand that just because it's right for a manager doesn't mean it's going to work for the team that they're involved in. Mm-hmm. So, so when you come to you know some to look at you know putting a pl- a plan or a program together in a business, you know if you've got somebody that wants a bit more holiday and you've got somebody that wants a bit more money and you want somebody that just wants the security of knowing that uh, that the, the business is going to be there in five years time, as you said, you know you're you're, you're not going to be able to keep everybody happy potentially, or it's going to cost you a lot of money as a business to do everything. So how, how does how does that work there? I mean, do you work? Do you do you try and do it on an individual basis then, or do you then do you then pull out and and you look at you know well what's gonna what's gonna benefit the the the, the group rather than an in, a particular individual? Yeah, um, I mean it's expertly put again. Um, it's it's essentially that it's we can't it's a small team of four people and it's much more manageable to see right well how do you best want to be rewarded or motivated to continue doing what you're doing. When you're in tens, fifteens, hundreds, it's actually, well, if we can now see this whole team on one sheet of paper and where the motivational preferences are as a team, Mm -hmm. where the individuals fit within it. So using using that star motivator as an example, if there's, say, 15 people all had their star motivator at the bottom end of their motivational map, so as a team, it's swinging towards that's not – let's not – um single one person out to say how great yeah let's not do an employee of the month for example mm. in that team there was one person whose star motivator was at the very top and they work very differently to everybody else we can now start using a bit of common language and education amongst the team because he wasn't the most popular person in the group mm-hmm. they saw him from their motivational point of view so we we we're able to use the information to communicate we're able to use that information to tweak the reward the reward process in the business, not not give hundreds of different types of rewards, but focus on what's going to be the most meaningful that, that, that will tick the box, for want of a better phrase, for as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. But most importantly is how can we change the language and narrative of the business communication that will keep everybody in the loop, everybody moving forward. So a low defender team, which is that routine risk averseness again. If your team are low defender, but you as a manager or leader are, 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 sorry, if they're high defenders, let's get it right way around. If they're high defenders, but you're a low defender, you may not see the need to keep people updated all the time. But if they don't get updated all the time, they get anxious. They start wondering what's going on because there's not been any information. Mm. So I worked with a, 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 a business owner and, and I said to him, what we need to do is to ensure that you have perhaps a twice weekly email or communication, just giving people a quick update. <coughs> mm-hmm. And he even said to me, well, what if there's nothing to update? You send an email saying there's nothing to update this week. Everything is just as it was. And, the, and that team will then feel comfortable, secure, in knowing everything's okay is not knowing will be a problem to them. So it's, it's, there is something we can do with reward, Mm -hmm. but most importantly, it's about, right. How can we communicate with the team that will help them uh, feel more generally motivated as opposed to, because we've all heard phrasing businesses, haven't we? Oh, there's just no communication around here. Then it's better to have some communication that's considered than no communication at all. Mm. So we work with, once we have the information from the maps, we can then work on strategies to to help. And we can do it at an individual level, but up to a, a, a you know supporting the leadership team as well. Mm. I think, you know, one of the things, one of the things that I found as well is, is um, you know, from a communication perspective and going back to your point there about, you know, communication isn't very good around here. Um, I, I don't think I've found a business yet where people say communication is brilliant around here because, because what seems to happen is as, as businesses get better at communicating, so the expectation rises mm-hmm. and, you know, and then so having to maintain that quality of communication gets, can, if you don't do it, you know, can be, even you, you could still be very good, but mm-hmm. people look at it negatively because you haven't maintained right at the top. 
which is a brilliant um, move into what happens next. So if you remember when I described motivational maps as being quite fluid, mm-hmm. and what motivates you now will, will change. Mm-hmm. We can we're in, we have many projects where we then remap the team six months later. Once we put these strategies in place, mm-hmm. communication strategies, um, uh, you know, the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The success planning strategies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, we can then remap to demonstrate where we've made progress mm-hmm. it might be that actually oh we've got a few surprises that this communication thing isn't quite landing and we can talk to people and discover that actually two emails a week given as an update on the business is just too much we only need one or whatever it might be a short video from the the business owner might be the best way to do it because they're more visual mm-hmm. we, we it, the maps are not a tool that you do once pop on a shelf mm-hmm. and then move on they're a benchmark that we can then use to do the work we need to do within business. And at some point in the future, we can remap. We can also, if people come and go, we can also use them for recruitment to see how they'll fit in the team mm. as well, you see. And also look, as I say, for succession planning. So if somebody is highly motivated by um, being in in, uh, in control of things and people, they're likely to be naturally drawn towards a management or leadership position. So we could develop the skills, if they haven't got them yet, develop the skills to match their motivation so they deliver a great job at some point in the future. Mm. Uh, yeah, we could probably do another two hours, to be honest, Colin, on uh, on motivational maps. Uh, yeah, I love, I love, I love that 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 um, that uh, mapping mapping your motivation. Uh, you know, I, I, I love, I love that. I've written that down. I've written that down. <laughs> I don't. I haven't written loads of notes. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm a, I, it's really funny because even even in small teams, you know, um, you know, I mean, my, our business is 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 quite small, and uh, you know, my my operations director is my wife. Okay, which is um um, you know, which is which is amazing, you know, but she gets frustrated because I I don't give the updates like I should do. And you know, so doing that twice weekly email, you know, and I know I don't, you know, we talk, we do talk a lot, but it's also nice to have that to to refer back to. And I think I think I've just got to build that into you know doing something like that um, to, yeah. you know, to just to just to you know just to tell her the things that have been going on in the business, you know, because yeah. we do, you know, to be totally honest with you, when we get to the end of the working day, you know, and we're sitting down having a bite to eat, neither of us really want to talk about work, you know. What I mean, yeah. that's uh, yeah. you know, so there's other ways of doing it. I think could be uh, could be really good. So. That's uh, that's one that's one I'm going to take away. But uh, well, just just picking up on that real briefly, but um, there'll be you work well together because you're recognising that you have different traits. So, mm-hmm. it, would would you describe yourself as a little bit more last minute? Things get done, but they tend to get done towards the deadline um because i know that's me um and i like it but it doesn't always work when i'm working with other people because they want things a little quicker mm-hmm. um, so if if your wife is actually more <clears throat> mm-hmm. detailed more get stuff done as it comes in uh and i'm just just picking at examples there of course they actually want a great team mm-hmm. yeah, but it's recognizing well we work really well because that is a great thing as opposed to getting frustrated with each other mm-hmm. so once we have the maps in front of you we can then point st- stuff out like that to say well why would you want to change that because it's 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 you know supporting the other person that if you didn't think big you wouldn't know where you're going mm-hmm. if you didn't have detail doesn't matter where you're going you're going to get lost anyway so we need the detail in there as well so that that's a great example of having that knowledge and self-awareness not only of yourself but those people you work with mm-hmm. that can really set you apart from other businesses mm-hmm. that's really amazing Paul, um, hey, look, it's been absolutely wonderful talking, you know, and we, you know, I don't know how long we've been on. It's been over an hour, I think. It's, uh, oh, wow. you know, um, which is, uh, which is great. Um, and, and I'd love to, I'd love to get you back on again. There's a few things I'd like to explore uh, sure. in a bit more detail that detail there, but we tend to find that, you know, the episodes being around about an hour long, people can, can bite into them and, and yeah. have a listen. Um, so how, um, how can people get hold of you? People can get a hold of me. Primarily, what I like to just put out there is my my LinkedIn. Just search for me on LinkedIn, um, Paul Paul Ward, because um, it gives you a flavour of the type of thing that I do. Um, and also, of course, email Paul at blacktopcoaching.com um, and visit the website Blacktop Coaching um, and, uh, and see where it goes. And I did say all this blacktop stuff. Yep. I'd quickly just describe yeah, what. Yeah, yeah. So um, I changed my branding a couple of years ago for personal reasons more than anything else, and I wanted to become 
more me. And Blacktop came up because three reasons. One, um, in virtually every environment I'm in, I tend to wear black. It's just a, a preference um, and linked to my musical taste, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second reason is, again, musical taste. So I've been a 40, nearly 40-year 40 fan of one particular band. And the first album that I bought of theirs was called The Top and the artwork that was on the top, I used to scribble on my wooden desk at school and get into trouble with. So um, they now, there's, that artwork now features on me as in the form of a tattoo. Right. Uh, and the third and final reason is um, if you're familiar with the Inception style spinning top, the little beautiful black metal ones, um, I see the spinning top as being my client that I'm working with. And my role is to get them spinning to the point where actually I'm not needing to be involved anymore, that mm-hmm. they can spin on their own. And occasionally they wobble. So my role is to then step back in and just support them as they gain their momentum. So so that's where Blacktop Co- Coaching came from. That's, uh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Paul, thank you so much for your time. You know, yeah. really, really appreciate it. It's been lovely having a chat with you. And um you know, and I really look forward to to catching up with you again really soon. I really appreciate it, Colin. Thank you very much. Paul, thank you so much. Um, Just a lovely chat. I really enjoyed that. Um, You know, we were talking for an hour and 10 minutes, Aaron Cordock, I've spoken to you for hours and hours and hours, and we're definitely going to get you back on again um, to talk in, uh, you know, know, more about motivation and and, uh, we can move on to competence and all kind of stuff. Um, I love what you were chatting about, about, you know, mapping, mapping your motivation, getting a real understanding of what it is it that makes people, you know, within your business tick and, and the different the different ways that you need to work with people to, to get the best out of them. But then how you can sort of bring that together into a team and, um, you know, and, and get the team working closer because people understand each other better. And what sometimes could be something that actually, you know, was a, was a, a great between people. You know, once they understand it, it can actually become, you know, much, much more positive. Um, you know, I, you know, I really appreciated the time that you came on. I hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully people that uh, are listening to this, you know, got something, you know, from the episode. And please reach out to, to Paul. He's a, he's a really lovely guy. Um, and, um, uh, you know, and it, it would be a real benefit for you to talk to him. Anyway, um, you know, thank you very much for, for listening to the show. And um, we will see you again really soon. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. You can follow and engage on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching the Interesting Health and Safety Community or go to www.influentialmg.com. And remember, let's make health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilised in the real world as the only solution available, as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Colin Nottage. <laughs>